Folks, what does everyone do when shopping online? Well, you jump to the reviews and you see what customers actually think. Well, Bull and Branch did the hard work for you. In a recent customer survey, 96% said Bull and Branch sheets get softer with every single wash. Bull and Branch sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on planet Earth. Buttery to the touch, super breathable. Bull and Branch sheets are perfect for both cooler and warmer months. Their luxurious signature hem sheets were made without pesticides, formaldehyde, or other harsh chemicals. They really do get softer with every single wash. Best of all, Bull and Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping, returns on all orders. You're not going to want to return them. We love our Bull and Branch product. In fact, when I'm on the road, I actually travel with their cable knit throw blanket. It is that good. Their product is just awesome. After a long day, nothing feels better than a restful night's sleep in the softest, most luxurious sheets. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bull and Branch. Get 15% off your very first order when you use code Ben at bullandbranch.com. That's Bull and Branch, spelled B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code Ben. Exclusions apply. See site for details, bullandbranch.com. Black Lives Matter protesters form their own autonomous zone in Seattle. White liberals begin to embrace radical chic, and everything from the Washington Monument to Paw Patrol is on the chopping block. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. You have a right to privacy protected at expressvpn.com slash Ben. So I have to admit, I am now turning from bemusement to amusement as a as an autonomous zone, they are calling it the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, has been set up in Seattle. Protesters have taken over apparently a six or seven block radius in Seattle and have declared their own state. They've actually put up a sign. It says, you are now leaving the USA. Not kidding. The Capitol Hill Free Zone, they call it the Autonomous Zone, is a protester-occupied zone. Okay, it's sort of like the Occupy Wall Street routine that we saw a few years back, back in about 2010. And it is going to end up exactly the same way. It happened because the police were told by Mayor Jenny Durkin to essentially withdraw from the area and to cede the area to the cops. And it's turned into a raucous comedy almost immediately. Now, I think that a lot of people across the United States are feeling that things have grown out of control just a little bit. That no matter how much you believe that police brutality is wrong, and everyone who is good believes this, and no matter how much you believe racism is wrong, and you don't have to protest to believe that racism is wrong, It's kind of weird that we are now talking openly about a complete takeover of a major part of a major city by protesters against the police, where apparently, according to the cops, some extortion is going on. The protesters have built walls. They've gone full Trump, guys. They've gone full authoritarian, according to the left, right? They've built walls. Not kidding. They actually built a wall to keep people out. They took over the East Precinct of the Seattle Police Department. They called it the Seattle People's Department, which is... I'm really enjoying this live showing on continuous loop of The Dark Knight Rises. It's really exciting stuff. They set up physical barriers. They apparently have armed people patrolling the physical barriers. Apparently, they are stopping and frisking people who are entering. I'm not kidding about this. They are stopping and frisking people who are entering. And this was to get rid of the cops, guys. This was to get rid of the evil, horrible Seattle Police Department. And immediately upon that happening, people in there were like, oh, you mean now there's power that's up for grabs? It turns out that anarchy is usually a pretext for tyranny. Chaos is usually a pretext for terrible people taking over. And so, according to multiple reports, essentially a warlord is taking over. I mean, we're going to get escape from New York, except it's escape from Seattle. We're going to send in Snake Plissken. I mean, all that has to happen here is is for Air Force One to be downed inside the Seattle Autonomous Free Zone for things to get really wild. So here is exactly what went down. According to Alapundit over at Hot Air, 
Apparently, Seattle PD cracked down hard on protesters on Sunday night, despite the mayor having given a speech earlier that day calling for de-escalation. In order to lower the temperature, the week-long blockade by the police of their East Precinct was lifted, and demonstrators were allowed to march past. But that's not all. Apparently, they were afraid that the rioters were going to burn down a police precinct. So instead, the cops and the National Guard pulled out of the building entirely by Monday afternoon. They removed all the equipment in the files, they boarded the place up, and they left. And thus was born a new nation, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, or CHAZ for short, which <laughs> the country of CHAZ, a place where progressives can indulge in some of the most humiliating stereotype of left-wing protest subculture. According to reports, by early Tuesday, demonstrators had established a perimeter with improvised barriers and deputized scouts. In the afternoon, the no-cop co-op popped up, slinging kebabs, snacks, and free water to passersby. A teach-in square was established at the intersection of 12th and Pine. We're going to get like a full Maoist regime here. Tents were pitched near the precinct where people were encouraged to stay throughout the night or even just for two or three hours to hold the space. By nightfall, they'd built their own outdoor cinema. The crowd was energized to build connections. People spoke about investing in black-owned banks, divesting from corporations and prison reform. One speaker issued a warning about the American Legislative Exchange Council, quote, a group of usually white men from major corporations who don't know our issues and make laws. Protesters hung a banner on the East Precinct that read Property of the People, according to KOMO, Como, which is one of the local stations. And there are plenty of photos available. There's even a map replete with labels like regime-occupied Safeway. Regime-occupied Safeway. Solid stuff, guys. Really good stuff. <laughs> now, people inside, they, uh, uh, come on, this is, this is beyond parody. It's like the right wing made this up. Honestly, it's, it's, it's as though it came from the fever dream of like of of Thomas of Tom Wolf. I mean that, that that's what it feels like. Activists who are claiming to have helped create the police no-go zone in Seattle are now asking for food from the outside. There's an activist who tweeted out, "The homeless people we invited took away all the food at the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone." <laughs> uh, you got rid of law and order and then the homeless people came and took all your food. Because you're communists, and this is what happens, you stupid communists. It's just, it's delicious. It's delicious. I, I like again, my bemusement. So my, my my outrage at the destruction of law and order turned to bemusement as I watched the mayor of Seattle cave to all of this, and now it has turned to full scale amusement as the thing turns into a predictable debacle. According to one of the anarchists over there, we need more food to keep the area operational. Please, if possible, bring. You ready for this? Vegan meat substitutes. Fruits, oats, soy products, etc. Anything to help us eat. Yes, they're starving in there because they don't have the Morningstar Farms vegan breakfast products. We need those in there right now. This 18-year-old activist appears to be a transgender woman and self-described lesbian anarchist, according to her now private Twitter account. <laughs> well done, everybody. Well, I mean, this is... And, and so what are, what are the authorities doing about this? You know, because there are actual businesses and, you know, people who are not crazy who live here. So what are they doing about this? Nothing. Mayor Jenny Durkin, who watched her offices taken over the other day by protesters at the behest of councilwoman, socialist councilwoman Shama Sawant, who's a full-scale idiot. I mean, Shama Sawant is a person who occupied Boeing and asked that Boeing stop making military materials so that they could create buses for the homeless or something like that. She, she's, she's a crazy person, Shama Sawant. So Mayor Jenny Durkin, tweeted out in an effort, this is June 8th, right? so three days ago, in an effort to proactively de-escalate interactions between protesters and law enforcement outside the East Precinct, Chief Best and Seattle PD officers have removed barricades surrounding the East Precinct while safely securing the facility. In addition, Seattle Fire has several vehicles stationed near the precinct to ensure emerging medical needs and fires are addressed if necessary. 
Keeping this area safe is critical. There are approximately 500 residential homes in this block. As the chief takes this operational step, we will continue to remain focused on what we can and must do to address the systemic inequities that continue to disproportionately impact our black residents. Ah, so you're going to just let people take over a seven block radius in your city in order to fight inequity. Wow. Keeping demonstrations peaceful must be a joint effort between our community members and law enforcement. Now, it gets better. Okay, like the story gets better because it is spectacular in every possible way it is possible for this story to be spectacular. We will bring you all of the details of the brand new secessionist country that has been established inside the United States. It's exciting, exciting stuff, guys. You're watching revolution in real time and it is, it is comedy. It is high comedy. Guys, this is high concept comedy right here. We're gonna get to it in one second. First, let's talk about the fact that you're spending an awful lot of time consuming media these days because have you ever seen a news cycle like this? I have not. It is crazy. This is why you need a great pair of wireless earbuds. Also to block out the sound of your screaming children as you try to get some work done. You need wireless earbuds that aren't going to cost you a fortune or are going to fit your ear properly. So I'm talking to you about Raycons. You already know Raycon earbuds start at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market and that they sound just as amazing as the other top audio brands that you do know. The newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, they're the best ones yet. Six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, a more compact design that gives you that nice, noise-isolating fit. Raycon's wireless earbuds are incredibly comfortable. They are perfect for conference calls or for binging podcasts. Unlike some of the other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are stylish and discreet. No dangling wires or stems to distract anybody during video calls. Now is the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash Ben. That is B-U-I-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash Ben for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash Ben. Again, these are great because they have a variety of fits also. So you don't have that one size fits all phenomenon where it doesn't fit your ear. Instead, they come with a variety of fits you can customize just for you. Buyraycon.com slash Ben for 15% off the best pair of wireless earbuds you can get. Okay, so Fox News had a reporter on the scene yesterday explaining what was going on inside this brand new country, Chaz, the country of Chaz. <laughs> it's so good. Okay, so here's the reporter from Fox News on, Tucker's, on Tucker Carlson's show last night. A local station got video of several guards armed with assault rifles. They are asking for identification before letting people in. And police have received reports of the armed guards demanding money from some businesses inside their area. We also saw people passing out food in what they call a no-cop co-op. And they made a long list of demands. We have a full screen to show you at least some of them. Among them, abolish the Seattle Police Department and the court system, disarm all cops until they are all fired, and abolish youth jails. The mayor's office did not respond to our request for a request for information about what they plan to do next. So they're, they're, they're allowing these crazies to take over. Like this is a place where taxpayers live. This is a place where taxpayers live. So how's your whole abolish the police thing going if you're living in that area? Is it going well for you? By the way, some of the signs around the area are things like the cops will always be racist because capitalism requires inequality. Okay, so you would imagine that there are no cops now, right? I mean, like, this is the whole point, is to get rid of the cops. Wrong you are. Wrong you are. The cops are there. They're just not called cops. So according to Reddit, okay, people have been posting on Reddit what exactly is going on. There's a person named Raz Simone. Raz Simone is a rapper. Apparently, he has been distributing his rap mixtape to, <laughs> to as many people as he can. <laughs> it's according to commenters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read you some of the comments. Okay, you ready? This is so good. It's from a guy called Wizard of the Future over at Reddit. Raz's crew is self-appointed, heavily armed, 
has indicated their intention to police the area and has engaged in the use of force. I'm unaware of any rival street force of their statue expressing the desire to hold authority in the area. The power of vacuum has apparently been filled. <laughs> and then <coughs> apparently one of the other commenters said, I only knew him from three years ago when he gave my staff his mixtape when he came into our work. <laughs> and apparently people are tweeting out things like Raz is becoming the very thing people didn't want to begin with. There's a video that is out of the people working with Raz Simone in, in which they are confronting people who are graffitiing. Now, apparently they only want certain places graffiti because they're certain allies and they don't want their businesses graffitied. So weird, they want to protect the property of people who they are allied with. But I thought that private property is bad, guys. So they walk up to some people who are graffitiing. These are people who apparently work for Raz Simone, allegedly work for Raz Simone. And the exchange is just glorious because remember, this whole thing started about the evils of police brutality and authoritarianism. And literally, you now have an armed force of people in this Seattle communist area telling people, we are the police now, and I will blow your brains out if you resist. So police brutality went away for like that long, apparently. And by the way, Seattle cops aren't doing that. Seattle cops are not doing that. This is the, these are the woke, the woke initiates. The woke army has arrived. I, I'm, I'm start, I want to start a GoFundMe today. Any woke white liberals who are working for mainstream media outlets, if you wish to relocate to Chaz, to the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, I will help pay your way. If you pledge that you will stay there, if you can show evidence that you are willing to stay there for the entire duration of Chaz's, uh, of, of Chaz's existence, and you are willing to subject all of your bank accounts to the tender mercies of Chaz, I am more than willing to subsidize your, your immigration to this, this area outside the United States. And here's a little bit of the video that was released. It's about an hour long, so it's been cut down, obviously. This started with people talking. It ended with a scuffle. Somebody's glasses being broken, somebody's phone being broken, and somebody being put to the ground. <laughs> All of this because the police are evil, guys, because the police are bad. Police are bad. So this is better, obviously. I mean, come on. We wouldn't want the anarchist situation to, to get chaotic or anything. We need, we need some tyranny. So here, here we go. You don't know the owner of this place? <laughs> the owner that's actually being nice and letting us stay here? Oh, God. We forgot. We are the police of this community now. Hey! What the f***? Hey, 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 hey. What the f***? Hey, what the f***? We are the police of this community. Oh, you got someone coming in 15 minutes? I just said 15 minutes. You talking about 15 minutes? What the f*** are you talking about? Don't be talking no threats around here, man. Don't be saying no threats. I'll blow your brains out. Don't do that. Don't be saying no threats. I'll blow your brains out. This is all from a YouTube video that was posted by people from inside the, the Seattle Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. So very, very solid stuff, everybody. Just really, really good stuff. By the way, Raz Simone apparently announced that people entering ought to be stopped and frisked. Remember when stop and frisk was a bad thing? Because it was the cops, right? The cops were bad. According to the whole story, Raz Simone, a Seattle local, stated he belongs to the People's Force, a replacement for Seattle PD. On June 8th in a live video, he advised that unfamiliar faces should be stopped, questioned, and checked to see if they are armed, which is literally the definition of stop and frisk, which is racist, right? I mean, stop and frisk is bad. We can't do it. So according to Como News, it was an unusual sight. Seattle Fire Chief Harold Scoggins working with people occupying streets in Seattle's Capitol Hill's neighborhood to close two large rolling metal gates that lead into the garage of the East Precinct. The Seattle Police Department had abandoned the East Precinct two days earlier. After receiving threats, there would be attempts to burn it down. There are no police officers around. There are no other firemen or city personnel with Scoggins. He says, I was walking through. Someone pointed out to me the gates were not closed. They were jammed. The chains weren't working. I just wanted to secure 
the building. He was in the center of what's now being called the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, named by the people who occupy it. I told him this report for Como. I thought it was unusual. A fire chief was trying to secure a police precinct by himself while being surrounded by hundreds of people occupying the streets who have shown a disdain for police. He says, well, we got a team. We're working through this. There is some trust built. I don't want to compromise that trust. Raz Simone, who some have told me is one of the leaders in, one, in what many have said is a leaderless group of protesters. He said, look, you look around. It's peaceful. Everyone is chill. Well, except for that tape. That was not quite so chill. And that lack of an organized leadership is hampering efforts to bring some normalcy to the area and have officers return to the precinct according to Assistant Police Chief Deanna Nolette. Nolette said her department and other city departments are trying to find the leaders of the CHAZ to negotiate a roadmap for the area's immediate future. You know what this roadmap should be? The cops never left. That would be the roadmap. By the way, they are damn lucky that Janet Reno isn't attorney general right now. If this were a bunch of white branch Davidians in Texas, their compound would be burned out by now, right? But now, because this is, because this is the woke initiates, we're just going to allow a sixth block radius in the center of the biggest city in Washington state to be taken over. Nolette said, while Washington is an open carry state, there's no legal right for those to be used, those arms to be used to intimidate community members because apparently they're trying to intimidate people trying to enter. She said operating a citizen checkpoint on a public street is illegal. She said, we've heard anecdotally of citizens and businesses being asked to pay a fee to operate within this area. So there are reports of, of an actual shakedown happening inside the area. Why, it seems as though the communist slash anarchist takeover is not all it's cracked up to be. I don't feel like injustice is being cured, guys. I don't feel like this is going well. By the way, what is the city of Seattle doing about all of this? They've staffed porta-potties there. They've granted all the protesters porta-potties. They've put garbage cans and portable toilets in the vicinity for use by demonstrators. The, the demonstrators, by the way, are also showing, they, they put up a big movie screen and they're showing Ava DuVernay's 13th, documentary from Netflix about how the prison system is evil. And then Ava DuVernay, not having to live here, of course, she, she puts up a message, blessings and bravery to all the good people at Chaz tonight, onward. Anytime Ava DuVernay wants to relocate from, I'm sure, her posh estate down to the, the city, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone with no police protection, and if she wants to bring her bank account with her, then she is absolutely free to do so. And I very much look forward to her, to her doing that. That, that, sounds, that sounds great. What are they actually demanding? So here's the demands. See, one of the things that's happened here is that there's a there's in in semantics, right? In, in linguistics, there's a term called semantic overload. Semantic overload is when there's a term that is deliberately vague, so it means more than one thing. Black Lives Matter is a perfect example of this. As my friend Eric Weinstein has pointed out, Black Lives Matter means something that is perfectly obvious and that we all agree with, Black Lives Matter, but it also means something more, which is you're supposed to agree with the group, Black Lives Matter, or their demands. And that's ridiculous because the Black Lives Matter group is very distinct from the message of Black Lives Matter. In fact, the Black Lives Matter group is incredibly radical. They call for things that nobody in America wants, including Democrats. They're extraordinarily anti-Semitic in their leadership team. And so the, the semantic overload for Black Lives Matter has become perfectly obvious. And so what are the demands of the people living and, and ruling now in, in this particular area of Seattle? Wait until you hear these demands because they are spectacular. They are spectacular. What they demand in order to leave free taxpaying citizens alone in the United States of America because they say they're no longer living in the United States of America. They literally have a sign, again, that says, you are now leaving the USA. And how's that going for everybody when the commune's food is being eaten by all the homeless and you have to ship in vegan meat to all the protesters? We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, when it comes to your future, one of my big bugaboos is blaming everybody else for your future, blaming everybody else for your situation. The fact is that if you want to be successful in life, make good decisions and better yourself. 
really spend time bettering yourself and better your own opportunities. One way to do that is to check out Ashford University. Ashford University offers online bachelor's and master's degrees programs. They allow you to learn on a convenient and flexible schedule. At Ashford, expert faculty teaches you real-world skills from real-world experience in online classes built for life's twists and turns. You can learn from home or wherever you feel comfortable. You can pursue a degree in one of Ashford's 60-plus programs like business administration, healthcare administration, and psychology. With 24-7 access to your classroom, daily support, and financial aid available, Ashford will give you the tools you need to help make your dreams a reality. Now's a great time to start making your life better. Or I suppose that you could blame the rest of society for all your problems. Instead, why don't you actually just go make your own life better right now? Dare to dream big for yourself. Your tomorrow starts today at Ashford University. There is no fee to apply or standardized testing required to enroll. Head on over to ashford.edu slash Ben. That is ashford.edu slash Ben, ashford.edu slash Ben, and get your journey started today. Okay, so what are the demands of the protesters? So Free Capitol Hill has put up a piece over at medium.com. They say, in credit to the people who freed Capitol Hill, this list of demands is neither brief nor simplistic. There is no simple request to end police brutality. We demand that the city council and the mayor, whoever that may be, implement these policy changes for the cultural and historic advancement of the city of Seattle and to ease the struggles of its people. This document is to represent the black voices who spoke in victory at the top of 12th and Pine after nine days of peaceful protest while under constant nightly attack from the Seattle Police Department. Well, actually, it wasn't constant nightly attack from the Seattle Police Department. Some of these protesters were getting very violent with police. So here are their demands. They want abolition of the Seattle Police Department and the court system. Abolition of it. They, they deliberately say, we do not request reform. We demand abolition. We demand the defunding and abolition of the Seattle Police Department and the attached criminal justice apparatus. That means 100% of funding, including existing pensions for Seattle police. Also, we want to disallow the operations of ICE in the city of Seattle. We demand that the use of armed force be banned entirely. No guns, no batons, no riot shields, no chemical weapons. We demand an end to the school-to-prison pipeline and the abolition of youth jails. Get kids out of prison and get cops out of schools. We demand that the new youth prison being built in Seattle currently be repurposed. We demand that not the city government nor the state government, but that the federal government launch a full-scale investigation into past and current cases of police brutality in Seattle and Washington, as well as the reopening of all closed cases reported to the Office of Police Accountability. We demand reparations for victims of police brutality in a form to be determined. So they're not actually going to explain what they mean by that. We demand that the city of Seattle make the names of officers involved in police brutality a matter of public record. We demand a retrial of all people of color currently serving a prison sentence for violent crime by a jury of their peers in the community. So presumably this means that if you are a black person who committed a crime and now you're in jail, they want you retried, but only if you're black and only by a black jury. We demand decriminalization of the acts of protest and amnesty for protesters generally, but specifically those involved in what has been termed the George Floyd Rebellion against the terrorist cell that previously occupied this area known as the Seattle Police Department. This includes the immediate release of all protesters currently being held in prison after the arrest made at 11th and Pine on Sunday night. We demand that the city of Seattle and state government release any prisoner currently serving time for a marijuana-related offense. We demand that they release any prisoner serving time just for resisting arrest. We demand that prisoners serving time be given full and unrestricted right to vote. We demand an end to prosecutorial immunity for police officers. We demand abolition of all imprisonment. All imprisonment, not just, so they start with youth imprisonment. Then they're like, you know what? As this goes on, I have a second thought. All imprisonment should end. No more prisons. We demand that the Seattle Police Department empty its lost and found and return property owned by denizens of the city. We demand that all the body cameras be turned on and all body camera footage be made available to the public. and. They want free public housing. 
They also would like degentrification of Seattle, starting with rent control. They want free college for everybody in the state of Washington. They want hospitals and care facilities of Seattle to employ black doctors and nurses specifically to help care for black patients. Because I know that if I were having a heart attack, first thing I would think is I need a Jewish doctor right now. So they want resegregation of hospitals, which is a fascinating demand. We demand the people of Seattle seek out and proudly support black-owned businesses. So we have to subsidize specifically black-owned businesses. And we demand that the city of Seattle and the state of Washington remove any and all monuments dedicated to historical figures of the Confederacy, et cetera, et cetera. So well done, everybody. These are the people to whom you are catering. Just very, very solid stuff. Giving them toilets, giving them garbage cans. They've taken over the city and uh, it's turning into uh, a bleep show immediately, as you would, as you would predict, as you would predict. You know, th- there may come a point here where, where Americans are out, where it turns out that the semantic overload that is associated with the phrase Black Lives Matter, if it includes nonsense like this, people are going to be like, you know what? I'm out, man. I'm out. Of course, I believe Black Lives Matter because, duh, this is perfectly obvious. But if you're suggesting that I am supposed to buy into this nonsense, I'm going to go no on that. But we may not have hit that point yet because white liberals have to demonstrate how guilty they feel. See, this is all virtue signaling. This is all virtue signaling. They have to demonstrate that they are actually okay with rioting and looting. Otherwise, they're demonstrating their own white privilege. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that sleep is hard to come by these days. Between everything going on in the world and the fact that you're home with your kids all the time and your kids are incredibly stressful, you probably need a great mattress. This means that when you lie down on that mattress, you'd love a mattress personalized just for you. This is why you need Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep has a quiz. It takes just two minutes to complete. It matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Whether you are a side sleeper, hot sleeper, whether you like a plush or a firm bed, with Helix, there's no more confusion and no more compromising. Helix Sleep is rated the number one mattress by GQ and Wired Magazine, CNN, called it the most comfortable mattress they've ever slept on. Just go to helixsleep.com Ben, take their two-minute sleep quiz. They will match you to a customized mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. They even have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it. But indeed, you will because it was made just for you. What's not to love? Helix is offering up to 200 bucks off all mattress orders for our listeners today. Get up to $200 off at helixsleep.com slash Ben. That is helixsleep.com slash Ben. My wife and I have a Helix Sleep mattress. It's fantastic. It was personalized for us. We sleep like babies on it. Go check it out right now. Get up to 200 bucks off at helixsleep.com slash Ben. Okay, so the, the supposedly benevolent white liberal who is willing to overlook the nonsense that is happening right now is not, in fact, helping black people. It turns out that if you want to lower crime rates in black communities, you need police officers there. That there are some 7,500 black Americans who are shot and killed every year in the United States, and nine of them are shot and killed unarmed by the police. That if you actually want to talk about how many Americans are in danger, you have to talk about who actually is being shot and killed and who is being protected and all the rest. But we are not going to do that. Instead, we're going to see white politicians demonstrating their, their awareness of their own white privilege by basically suggesting that any behavior is tolerable so long as it comes from people who are members of a historically oppressed minority group. This is why you see the governor of Washington, Jay Inslee. He was asked about the fact that there is now a new state in Seattle, Chaz, the state of Chaz. And Jay Inslee was like, what? That's not happening. Really? Like, I didn't know about that. Really? I Yes, I am sure he did not know about that. Uh, Do you remember that situation a few years back where the Bundy family got in a standoff with the federal government because they had been allowing their cattle to graze on land that they had historically been allowing their cattle to graze on and it was endangering like a wild turtle or something? And so the the EPA came down on them and the the Bureau of the Interior came down on them and there was this armed standoff. It was a national news story and it was demonstrative of these crazy people who were standing people off 
on their own ranch. That was a national news story. You have Seattle being taken over by Black Lives Matter activists and turned into a quasi-armed police state. And the governor of the state's like, really? Me? No, I have nothing to say about this. Here's Jay Inslee pretending he doesn't know things. Governor, I'd like to ask you about what's going on in Seattle. There's this uh, thing called the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. What's your thought on that? The fact that the protesters have taken that over and not allowing people to come and go freely? Uh, regarding the National Guard. Well, that's news to me, so I'll have to reserve any comment about it. I, I, have, not, I have not heard anything about that from any credible source. <laughs> not that you're not credible. It's just like before I espouse an opinion, I should know of which I speak. <laughs> okay, he, he has no idea what's going on. It's all, it's, all, it's all confusing. What's going on? Okay, so what that really is, is a bunch of people who wish to turn a blind eye to bad behavior. There's a great article by Greg Jaffe over at the Washington Post about this particular phenomenon, and it basically is just radical chic. So back in the 1960s, there's a piece written by Tom Wolfe, the late Tom Wolfe, great piece called Radical Chic. And the entire piece was about Black Panthers being ushered up to this posh penthouse owned by Leonard Bernstein. And these Black Panthers were being shown off as almost totems of wokeness. That they, they would walk around and they would literally say to the white people at these parties, yeah, we want to off the pigs. And the white people were like, oh my God, that's so charming and it's so refreshing and it's so down to earth. And it's, it, was these, it was these upper class white liberals being protected by the cops who are out there like, look at, look at these amazing Black Panthers and their authenticity. It's just incredible. This is what you are getting right now from a wider segment of the population, because if you do not bow to the narrative that America is systemically evil and racist, then obviously you're part of the problem. So you can buy your way out of woke jail by simply acknowledging your privilege, but only for the moment, because the moment you acknowledge your privilege, then they just resurface old stuff you've said, and then they hold that over your head forever. That's the way this, this routine works. So there's this piece over at the Washington Post. It is called, After Killing of George Floyd, White Liberals Embrace Ideas That Once Seemed Radical. Now, here's the question. Do you really think they're embracing these ideas? Or do you think they are posturing for the, for the love of their social media groups? And that when they are actually betting down at night, they're thinking to themselves the, as the gunshots go off around the corner, man, I'm so glad that I've gotten woke. Like, do you think that many Americans are thinking that right now? Because again, what we're talking about here is not white support for the Black Lives Matter notion. What we're talking about is white support specifically in this Washington Post piece for violence and looting. Quote, three days after a police officer knelt on George Floyd's neck, killing him, and only a few hours after enraged looters ransacked a target and torched an auto zone, Meredith Webb woke to an early morning message from a close friend across the street. Beloved city, so much pain. The text from her neighbor, Michelle Garvey, read, exploding pain, replied Webb, who had seen the news and cried. Can we talk outside in a little while? Theirs was a block of mostly white liberal families tucked inside cute bungalows with carefully tended gardens and century-old shade trees. The two women met on the sidewalk where their sons, ages five and seven, had spent much of the last few weeks racing back and forth on their bikes and scooters. On this morning, their conversation turned to the looting and fires that had unfolded just a few miles from their homes. To Garvey, 39, the destruction of the Target and, per and surrounding stores was sad, but understandable. Quote, a perfectly warranted and justified response, an expression of righteous rage. Webb, 33, wasn't there yet. She felt a little guilty about it. I wasn't sure what side I was supposed to be on, she recalled. It felt wrong to say we're with you until you start looting. Why is that wrong? Now, the reality is that that's exactly the right, that's exactly the right message. We're with you until you start looting is exactly the right message. We agree with what you are basically saying about police brutality. Even if you say, I'm with you on police brutality, I'm not with you on systemic American racism. But say whatever you want. When you start looting, it's over, man. We are done. No, you have to suggest that it is justified response, a perfectly warranted and justified response in order to be initiated into the woke crew. Has anyone, has it occurred to anybody 
what a soft bigotry of law expectations this is. That when you're angry, you get to burn down a target, but only if you're a member of a particular racial group pushing a particular racial narrative. That if Asians were angry over affirmative action policies at colleges that ban their kids from schools, and they went and burned down some local stores, do you think there would be any level of sympathy for that at all? The answer, of course, is no. It is soft bigotry of low expectations not to say to people you're not allowed to burn crap down and take over large swaths of cities. But according to the Washington Post, there is a change in white liberal attitudes. One liberal journalist has described it a great awakening. It seems to mirror what has happened in recent weeks in Minneapolis, where throngs of white protesters like Webb and Garvey have taken to the streets to cheer on black speakers as they blast the city's police force, attack its largely left-leaning leadership, and decry systemic racism. Webb said she turned to Garvey for solace in the wake of that first wave of looting and fires because she was sad, scared, and needed to talk with someone in person. Where does this go next, she worried. Is our neighborhood going to burn? But she also knew her friend would be a gut check. I didn't want to let myself default to the simplistic reaction of wanting this all to go away. So... I guess you're not supposed to worry about the fact that, that there were people who are, you know, you're worried about burning down your house. I mean, the, I think the best part of this article, by the way, is there is, is part of the article where they talk about police officers. Okay, so Ilhan Omar showed up at a rally. She said that people were using taxpayer dollars to, quote, police and brutalize our young children in our schools, which is just absurd. To every single person who has remained silent and been complicit, this is the time we step up and show the world what we're made of, the congresswoman shouted. Yes, Webb replied. About a dozen black high school students shifted uneasily and waited for their time to talk. When it was their turn, they spoke about Charles Adams Jr., the African-American police officer who kept their school safe and coached their high school football team. Now they worried he was going to be forced from their school. To me, I have my dad first and second to that is Officer Adams, said one student. Officer Adams is like the father I didn't have at another. He makes me feel like myself. Last up was a history teacher from the school. I beg you, I beg you, look at these young men. They came on their own because they are worried about their safety and losing someone they consider a family member. Webb listened carefully. It's complicated, she whispered to a friend. Maybe he should be a teacher, the friend suggested. Maybe he could be brought back to the school in some other role, Webb replied. So basically, you have a bunch of young black students. They're like, you know what? This cop, he's like a dad to me. And the white liberal woke lady, she's like, well, I'm sorry, we're going to have to stop that. Because, you know, in the name of social justice, we have to stop that. This is pure, simple nonsense. It is pure, simple nonsense. And the white, the, the white woke liberal is, the, is one of the dumbest species of Americans. I mean, it's just incredibly dumb. Incredibly, incredibly dumb. And by the way, you're not buying a space in heaven, in secular heaven for any of this. All you are doing is, is exacerbating a catastrophically chaotic and divisive situation in a time when we should all be unified. I keep saying this on the show. We should all be unified. Instead... What we are going to do is demand things. We're going to demand that you bow before the narrative. And the narrative, of course, is that systemic racism is, is endemic to the United States. If you acknowledge that, then you're no longer part of the systemic racism. But you sort of are, you know, because you're white and all of that. But if you deny it, you're for sure part of the systemic racism. Don Lemon, the very objective news anchor over at CNN, incredibly objective Don Lemon, real expert on racial issues, Don Lemon. He says it's white entitlement to deny systemic racism. It's white entitlement. Now, does he cite any statistics to demonstrate that systemic racism is the problem in the United States? He does not. But if you suggest that it is not, then obviously this is white entitlement. So when Thomas Sowell says not systemic racism, when Walter Williams says not systemic racism, when Larry Elder says not systemic racism, this is because they are white splaining, obviously. Now, by the way, there is there is no the lowest refuge of the illogical of the illogical grifter is suggesting they don't have to actually debunk your argument because of who you are that they don't actually have to come to terms with your argument because they don't like the color of your skin. 
in any other guise, you'd recognize just how racist this is. But here is Don Lemon suggesting that he doesn't have to provide evidence for his claim because after all, he's a black man in America who's experienced bad things. And that means that anybody who says differently on a systemic level, he's not, again, people are not trying to debunk claims that you on an anecdotal level have had bad experiences with the cops. People are pointing out that overall, there is no evidence that the police are disproportionately shooting black people in proportion to criminal activity or the police are systemically racist, right? The evidence for this is extraordinarily scanty. But if you say that, then apparently that's white splaining, according to Don Lemon. And so you will be made to, to repent. You must repent. White men denying the existence of systemic racism. That is the essence of white entitlement. We do not need their permission or their sign off on what we know to be true and what we have lived. That is white mansplaining. How can you solve this problem, the systemic racism that is killing people of color, if you won't even admit there is a problem? Well, how do you solve a problem when you won't even define the problem? Because when you say systemic racism is killing people of color, that is the most vague statement I could possibly imagine. How about you name the policy that's killing people of color or you name the person who's killing people of color and then we can talk about it. I mean, you could literally fill in the, the phrase systemic racism there with blah, blah, is killing people of color. Like, I don't know what that means. Explain to me what that means and then I can help. But I can't help if you're just going to shout systemic racism. And then when you say, okay, what do you mean by that? Can you clarify what policy you're talking about? Oh, if you don't understand, it's because you're just white. Come on, come on. Now, the good news is that we are living full scale George Orwell at this point. We're literally changing terms in the dictionary. Also, we are watching the teardown of statues. And these statues are being torn down on the simple basis, not that the Confederacy was bad, which it was, and evil. We're, we're talking about tearing down statues of Columbus. We're talking about tearing down statues of the Founding Fathers, right? This is, this is the, the point is the broader destruction of American history. This is not about a Jefferson Davis statue. And it never really was because, again, the, the attempts to tear down statues are not relegated to simply old Confederate monuments. Like, there's an argument that cities should take those statues down. I, I understand the argument. Those should be done through democratic means. But the, the notion that, first of all, Protesters get to go and just take down statues. This is post-Saddam Hussein, Iraq, and you're tearing down statues of Saddam. Like, again, the regime that exists is a democratic, is a democratic regime. In a lot of these cities, they're democratic mayors. You want to vote to get rid of this? Fine, do it. Seriously, do it. But the notion that, that we are supposed to watch idly as protesters tear down statues, by the way, it's kind of a dangerous thing, as we found out yesterday. We're going to get to, I mean, physically dangerous. We're going to get to this in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that these days you are spending an awful lot of time online and you may think that you are being protected by being in incognito mode. But incognito mode does not actually hide your activity. It actually does not matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your browsing history. Your ISP can still see every single website you've ever visited, which is why even when I'm at home, I won't go online without using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your ISP can't see the sites you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. Most of the time, I don't even realize I have ExpressVPN on because it really doesn't slow my computer. It's very easy to install. One click of the button and you are protected. ExpressVPN is available on all your devices, phones, computers, even your smart TV. There's no excuse for you not to be using it. Plus, it protects you from hackers who are looking for your credit card info. Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by CNET and Wired. Visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash Ben. You can get an extra three months for free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben, expressvpn.com slash Ben to learn more. All right, we have so much more coming up. In order for you to access that, you have to be a Daily Wire subscriber. 2020, this year, 
Whoa, man, whoa. Well, you might need some actual objective truth and some conservative perspective because the fact is the media are lying to you openly. They're rewriting history and the present as it goes on. If you are a political junkie set on getting both sides of the story, get a reader's pass today from dailywire.com. You'll get access to exclusive op-eds from us, your podcast hosts, as well as guest writers, in-depth analysis from our Daily Wire reporters on top of our regular breaking news. This membership tier is already a bargain at three bucks a month, but if you join today, you get that first month for 99 cents. You also get access to our mobile app. You receive push notifications for breaking news and special content, as well as joining the community of Daily Wire members who are actively commenting and discussing our content with each other. That is mobile ad-free access to all of the Daily Wire news, exclusive op-eds, all of our podcasts on our mobile app, all for the low price of $1. And best of all, your dollars are getting you the news you need without the left to spin. So head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe and join today. Also, as I've been mentioning, I have a brand new book. It is coming out July 21st, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. We are watching the left do this in real time. The book isn't just about how the left and, and, many, and many who are who are not even politically affiliated are seeking to disintegrate the country. I mean, we are watching the disintegration of the country in real time as a huge group of Americans decide that we no longer have a shared philosophy, that the philosophy of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution is evil. We don't have a shared history. The history of America is exploitation and brutality, which is why we got to tear down statues of Christopher Columbus. And we don't have a shared culture of rights because rights themselves are discriminatory. Freedom of speech is discriminatory because people who are richer have more freedom of speech. So we have to quash the voiced in favor of the voiceless. Right? All of this is incredibly divisive. It destroys the country. The book isn't just an indictment of that of those ideas. It is a rebuttal to those ideas and a very useful tool for you to understand exactly what's going on in the country and how to rebut the lies that you're seeing in the media every single day. I think the book is deeply important. You can go to dailywire.com slash Ben to pre-order the book today, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. Dailywire.com slash Ben. Go ahead and pre-order it today. It already is near the top of the Amazon charts and it's like a month, more than a month out from publication. Go to dailywire.com slash Ben pre-order today so that you buy it while it is still in stock and you're the first to receive it. I think, again, it is a deeply important book. Uh, I, I very rarely pitch my own work that way, but I really, uh, I think this is a, it's something that I think is, is worth your time and worth the read in this environment, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So we are, we are watching the Orwellian redefinition of terms and history in real time. It's incredible. It truly is. Because instead of just making an argument with, you know, the language that we have constantly shared and arguing in terms that we all understand, instead, we're just going to redefine the terms, which is a very old and very ugly trick. If you redefine terms in order to make it so that you say, well, the dictionary definition of this thing now reflects what I wanted to. Yeah, you changed the dictionary five seconds ago. Perfect example. So Merriam-Webster had a definition of racism. Okay, their definition of racism was a belief that race is the primary determinant of human traits and capacities and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority of a particular race. Okay, that, that seems like a fairly good definition to me, right? It's about racial superiority. So white supremacy is an aspect of racism. Right? And then Merriam-Webster, at the behest of a 22-year-old wokester, decided to email them. Is a recent graduate of Drake University, Kennedy Mitchum, she said should get into arguments with people who pointed to that definition of racism to support their position. In other words, probably what people were saying is, if you are, what I'm saying isn't racist, racism is about superiority of one race over another. Or when you say bad things about white people, that's also racist. So this person emailed Merriam-Webster 
She said, I basically told them they need to include that there is some systematic oppression on people. It's not just I don't like someone. It's a system of oppression for a certain group of people. Okay, notice, this has been a long time left-wing trope. The left-wing trope is that, it, that racism is not just you discriminating against a person. It is a racist feeling combined with power. And this alleviates any need to look at the racism that comes from quote-unquote dispossessed groups. So if there's a black American who says something racist about white Americans, like all white Americans are bad and racist and part of a supremacist system, if you say that and a white person says, that sounds kind of racist to me. You're judging me on the basis of my skin. They say, right, but I'm not part of the system of power. You're part of the system of power. So I can't be racist because I'm not part of the system of power. So this is twisting the definition. I mean, this is literal Orwellian redefining of words in order to achieve a political result. The revision would not have been made without your persistence in contacting us about this problem, said Alex Chamber, the editor of Merriam-Webster. He said, we sincerely thank you for repeatedly writing in and apologize for the harm and offense we have caused in failing to address the issue sooner. I will see to it that the entry for racism is given the attention it sorely needs. Peter Sokolowski, an editor-at-large of Merriam-Webster, said in a statement, the second definition of racism expressed, first, explicit institutional bias against people because of their race, and second, a broader implicit bias that can result in an asymmetrical power structure. So now they're going to redefine racism to mean there is asymmetry in, in power or in, or in outcome. And that means broader implicit bias. So again, this is now redefining the term racism to just say that inequality is racism. Okay, you're redefining the dictionary. Guy, this is too on the nose. It's too on the nose, guys. I mean, honestly, if you're going to redo 1984, you really have to like tone it down a little bit so it's a little more subtle. Like full, having a full-on department of words to go ahead and just redefine everything according to your lines, it's a little on the nose. I got to say, it's a little on the nose. The, the writers this season, they've been too on the nose. And meanwhile, Police are allowing people to tear down statues, just allowing it. So there's a Columbus statue that was torn down by protesters. Now, you might say to yourself, what does Columbus have to do with anything? Was Columbus a member of the brutal police department? Was Columbus a Confederate? No, Columbus is bad because Columbus represents Western civilization arriving on American shores. That's why Columbus is bad. This all goes back to the rewriting of American history pushed forward by Howard Zinn. So Howard Zinn really, like he begins his crappy book, A People's History of the United States, with Columbus in which Columbus is a brutal warlord victimizing peaceful narratives. And then he says, and this is a direct quote from Howard Zinn. He says, a nation, a symbol, a legal unity called the United States was formed, designed to, quote, create a consensus of popular support for the rule of a new privileged leadership. So America was all about privilege in the first place. He suggests that Columbus was just Western brutality writ small. He says, Columbus and his successors were not coming into an empty wilderness, but into a world where human relations were more egalitarian than in Europe, where the relations among men, women, and children in nature were more beautifully worked out than perhaps any place in the world. So the new world was really not unoccupied, which of course is true, but it was occupied, it was paradisical. It was a Rousseauian paradise. And then Columbus arrived with his evil Western civilization. And because of Western civilization, capitalist exploitation hit these shores. Now, let's be real about this. Columbus did some real bad stuff. Right, Columbus did some real bad stuff. Mostly the people working for Columbus did some real bad stuff. Columbus was more tolerant than the people who worked for him, for sure, by, by all available documentation. But this, you don't have to excuse Columbus's behavior to point out that the history of humanity has been conquest and imperialism, and that existed far before Columbus ever hit the shores of the United States in, or hit the shores of the Western Hemisphere. That existed for a long time. The only reason to single out Columbus as particularly bad and imperialist and, and terrible and colonialist is because you don't like Western civilization very much. That's the real reason that people are angry at Columbus these days. And this rests on, again, the idea that you can take Columbus out of history and treat him in isolation, as opposed to the fact that human history is replete with oppression and evil and brutality. 
And Columbus was involved in some of those things. But it is a very good thing on net that Western civilization arrived in the New World. And by the way, the entire Howard's narrative that everything was peaceful and wonderful in the New World before Columbus got there is obviously just tripe. I mean, Steven Pinker writes, contra leftist anthropologists who celebrate the noble savage quantitative body counts, such as proportion of prehistoric skeletons with axe marks and embedded arrowheads, or the proportion of men in a contemporary, uh, in a contemporary foraging tribe who die at the hands of other men, suggest that pre-state societies were far more violent than our own. Now, this doesn't mean the Arawaks weren't peaceful. They were, by all available evidence. This does mean that if you're going to look at history, you actually have to look at history. The left never provides context for this sort of stuff, because if they provided context, then you might be forced to judge whether it's a good thing on average that Western civilization rose or not. By the way, claims that, that Columbus genocided Native Americans is not correct. The depopulation of natives after contact with Europeans was basically the result of disease to which natives had no immunity in the same way that one of the reasons that Africa was originally protected in the early days from colonialism was specifically because Europeans had no immunity to many of the diseases that ran rampant in Africa. Okay, so in any case, that's just some backdrop. So there's been this effort to tear down statues of Columbus. And this is much worse, by the way, than tearing down statues of Confederate generals and soldiers. Like, I actually have some sympathy for the position that Confederate statues should be removed. Because while I don't like statues being removed generally, I don't. I at least get the argument. I don't like statues being removed generally because I think that monuments to the stupidity of man are good. I think it is good that people see those statues. This is Condoleezza Rice's argument. I think it's correct. It is good that people see those statues and point to it and say there was a time in this, in this country where people like this, slaveholder, were glorified. And thank God we've moved beyond that. But we should always remember the dark history of this country so that we can move beyond that. That seems like a reasonable argument to me. But if you are going to remove the statues, you should at least do so, do so through law. Instead, Police are just letting mobs tear down these statues. And by the way, it's damned dangerous. In Richmond, Virginia, there are some people who are attempting to pull down a statue of a Confederate soldier. I guess it's an unknown Confederate soldier. And they literally pulled it down onto the head of a protester who may die. I mean, the protester came down and cracked the guy directly on the skull. Like his skull was exposed. Hey, this is genius stuff. Where are the cops for this, by the way? I thought that law and order was supposed to be a thing. You want to remove, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. You want to remove these statues. How about you do so by like just going to your legislators. There are open discussions right now in Mississippi, by the way, between Democrats and Republicans about changing the state flag. Doing stuff through Democratic means is a good thing. Going and tearing down statues by yourself, not a good thing. And you know what else is not a good thing? Allowing a statue in, in Minneapolis that was crafted by an Italian immigrant who helped build Grand Central Station and his son, who was given during the Great Depression as a symbol of the acceptance of Italian immigrants in Minnesota, according to Ben Dominich at The Federalist, Protesters, this isn't a protest, by the way, this is an act of vandalism, yanked down a Christopher Columbus statue outside the Minneapolis State Capitol in St. Paul yesterday. The police were warned about this like 90 minutes in advance, and they did nothing. They did nothing. Law and order has completely disintegrated, completely disintegrated. I mean, the video is, is pretty astonishing. Again, how, how, where are the cops? Where are the cops? Even if you think that Christopher Columbus's statue ought to be removed, which I do not, even if you think that that's the case, Allowing protesters to just run up and tear down monuments they don't like, that's not law and order. That is not living in a civilized society. By the way, if you think it's going to stop here, it ain't. There are certain black leaders who are calling for the Washington Monument and Jefferson Memorial to be removed. Because after all, we have to talk about the fact that they were slaveholders. And we can't put them into historical context and point out that slavery was the common lot of man throughout the 18th century. We cannot point out that the Actual monuments that were built to Washington and Jefferson do not honor slavery. They honor their contributions to human freedom that have come to full fruition in the United States. Instead, we got to talk about removing statues of the founding fathers. 
Removing America's history is the key because American history is bad and wrong and evil. And that's the agenda here. The agenda is not alleviating pain. It is excoriating American history and suggesting we have nothing in common but the revolution. Here are actively, here are Angela Rye and other commentators suggesting that it's time for the takedown of Jefferson statues in the Washington Memorial. American history is not all glorious. And, and even though I love John to death, I couldn't disagree more about George Washington. George Washington was a slave owner. And we need to call slave owners out for what they are. Whether we think they were protecting American freedom or not, he wasn't protecting my freedom. I wasn't someone who my ancestors weren't deemed human beings to him. And so to me, I don't care if it's a George Washington statue or a Thomas Jefferson statue or a Robert E. Lee statue. They all need to come down. They all need to come down. All of American history needs to come down. You can't see America as the story of an attempt to fulfill our founding philosophy to which America fell short. No, all of it has to come down. All of it has to come down. And so we are doing this with with monuments. We are doing this with culture. We are doing this in every aspect of American life. When people signed on to the Black Lives Matter slogan, they did not sign up for this. They didn't. When people signed up for the, we care about black lives and don't want to see black people killed, That was not signing up for America is systemically evil and racist and horrible in every possible way and tear down the Washington Monument. No one signed up for this. No one signed up for this. Or if they did, it is a vast minority. And the media's attempt to broaden that out to a majority is going to be wildly unsuccessful. And by the way, counterproductive. Because whatever you are trying to do, you're going to need some level of unity to accomplish it. Instead, you've decided that the narrative was more important than any actual change. You want to undermine change? Make the agenda so broad that nobody agrees on it. And that's exactly what's going on right now. Okay, meanwhile... The, the culture is fragmenting as well because everything has to be removed now. Everything has to be removed, not just the statues. Okay, not, not, and, and we're not even talking about statues of Confederate generals. We're talking about statues of George Washington and, and Thomas Jefferson. Those have to be removed, but not just those. We now have to make sure that no one ever sees a depiction of a good cop. Cops have to per- be perceived as uniquely evil in American life. How crazy has this become? This has become so crazy that protesters are coming for Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol, you stupid asses. Paw Patrol, are you kidding me? Coming for McGruff the crime dog here. Paw Patrol is a children's cartoon, according to the New York Times, about a squad of canine helpers. It's basically a pretense for placing household pets in a variety of cool trucks. The team includes Marshall, a firefighting Dalmatian, Rubble, a bulldog construction worker, and Chase, a German shepherd who's also a cop. In the world of Paw Patrol, Chase is drawn to be a very good boy who barks stuff like Chase is on the case and all in a police pup's day as he rescues kittens in his tricked out SUV. But last week, when the show's official Twitter account put out a bland call for black voices to be heard, commentators came after Chase. Euthanize the police dog, they said. Defund the Paw Patrol. All dogs go to heaven except the class traitors in the Paw Patrol. It's a joke, but it's also not, says the New York Times. As the protests against racist police violence entered their third week, the changes are mounting against fictional cops too. Even big-hearted cartoon police dogs, or maybe especially big-hearted cartoon police dogs, are on notice. The effort to publicize police brutality also means banishing the good cop archetype, which relies on both TV and in viral videos of the protests themselves, which reigns on both TV and in viral videos. Paw Patrol seems harmless enough, and that's the point. The movement rests on understanding that cops do plenty of harm. What we actually need is we need a more accurate depiction of Paw Patrol, apparently. What we need is for Chase, the good German shepherd, to apparently be chasing down like only puppies of color. Like that, that's what we actually need in order to reflect the evils of America's policing system. Like this is such bullcrap. I'm sorry. Did anyone sign up for this? Anyone? Then now Disney fans are saying that Splash Mountain needs to update because it's racist. Splash Mountain is racist. Now, maybe you've been on Splash Mountain and maybe you thought to yourself, wait a second, there, there are no people in this ride. How's it, like literally no people in this ride. It's all animals. 
How's this racist? Exactly. Well, let me tell you. It includes a song, Zippity-Doo-Dah. You know the song. Did you know that that song came originally from a 1946 film called Song of the South that is considered to be racist because it relies on stereotypes of black people and a nostalgic view of the antebellum South? Did you notice this? You didn't? Because it's not in the ride? You didn't notice this? Okay, so maybe the song came from a racist film from 1946. Also, did you know that? Did you? I did because I'm a Disney aficionado. But did you know that? Did any of the millions of people who visited Splash Mountain, were they going through Splash Mountain and thinking to themselves, oh man, man, is this ride about a fox and a bear and an alligator and everything? Every time I go down that giant drop, I think to myself, God, systemic racism in America. Is that really? Really? Fans have offered a solution to re-theme the ride. One fan took to Twitter to showcase his concept for a princess and the frog theme. Genius. Beautiful, beautiful stuff, guys. You're really making America a better place by destroying Splash Mountain. Excellent, excellent work, everyone. Just slow clap. Slow clap for making the culture a better place, guys. Great stuff. Also, A&E is canceling Live PD, which makes perfect sense because Live PD also has a segment near the end of the show about missing children. So it's good to take shows off TV that actually try to help missing children at the end because we can never have any depictions of cops that are good. Cops are uniquely bad. And the, the, the fact of this is going to be that, that cops are just not going to join forces. I mean, is what's going to happen. You're going to see a massive drop-off in the number of people who join police forces. Uh, according, to, uh, according to A&E, Live PD host Dan Abrams went, to all of you asking whether Live PD is coming back, the answer is yes. All of us associated with the show are as committed to it as ever. We are still discussing some specifics, but I want to assure you, the Live PD nation, that we are not abandoning you. But the network and production company came to the conclusion there's no path forward for the show in its current form, as protesters and politicians are calling for a police reform following the death of, of, of Floyd. Amazing. Great stuff. So Dan Abrams said, shocked and beyond disappointed about this to the loyal Live PD nation. Please know I, we did everything we could to fight for you and for our continuing effort at transparency in policing. So we've taken down Live PD. Excellent work, everyone. U.S. soccer, by the way, is now going to allow kneeling, which makes perfect sense because U.S. soccer represents the United States. That makes perfect sense. It is a soccer team that is literally called U.S. soccer. So it makes perfect sense that you would allow people to kneel for the, the American flag and the national anthem while playing for U.S. soccer. Imagine for a second that U.S. soccer were not U.S. soccer, it were Nike. And the players just said, you know what? Nike does child labor, breaks child labor laws. So I'm wearing Reeboks on the field. You think Nike stands for it for half a second? They kneel for the Nike slogan. Every time there's a swoosh that comes across the giant scoreboard, everybody just kneels. You think anybody goes for that? But apparently the U.S. Soccer Federation has now repealed the league's three-year-old ban on kneeling during the national anthem. U.S. Soccer said it has become clear that this policy was wrong and detracted from the important message of Black Lives Matter. Again, Black Lives Matter does not require you to kneel for the national anthem. Black Lives Matter, the, the message, not the group. Black Lives Matter does not require you to kneel for the American flag. None of that is required. But the idea is that you have to be okay with people kneeling for the flag if you believe that Black Lives Matter, which is an asinine contention. Okay, how bad is this stupidity getting? It's getting so stupid that the American Statistical Association, like everyone is forced to comply. I've gotten so many notes from people at, who are working at major corporations and companies who are now being force-fed propaganda about how America is systemically racist. And if you do not acquiesce to that idea, then your, your, your job may be on the chopping block. The wokesters are in control. It, it's so funny. We've been told that corporations are the repository of all capitalist right-wing evil in the United States. Ain't seen a lot of that these days, are you? What I'm seeing is TJ Maxx putting out statements about how woke they are. 
I mean, like every single corporation putting out statements. Why? Because there are a bunch of staffers inside who will then go on the interwebs and whine about how their company is not taking a strong enough position. Because I needed to know that TJ Maxx wasn't interested in white supremacy. It was, it was big for me. Like the, the, when Gushers did that the other day, I thought to myself, oh, good. Now, you know, the, now I feel, now I just feel so much better eating a Gusher. Now that Gushers has spoken out about Black Lives Matter. And it's not just that. It's trying to retrain all of their employees in a particular political viewpoint. Is any of this really going to foster unity or is it going to foster a backlash that is going to be bad when we could all agree on some stuff? The American Statistical Association, which promotes the practice and profession of statistics, put out a statement. We, the three elected presidents of the American Statistical Association, are deeply moved by the tragedies and social upheaval that have unfolded in the past few weeks. As felt by many of you, we too are angered, anguished, and wearied as new names are added to the dreadful roll call of black individuals slain, harmed, or threatened by law enforcement or by vigilantes. As allies, we stand with African-Americans and other communities of color as we work to overcome systemic racism in America. Now, I have a question. This is the American Statistical Association. Do they cite any stats in this? No, no, no stats at all? No, you just say systemic racism and, and now we're all supposed to just go, oh, okay, I know exactly what you mean. Great job, everybody. Great job. By the way, scientists, went, uh, didn't, didn't work this week. They, they didn't work yesterday because supposedly science is racist too. It, it, we are living through an extraordinarily chaotic moment. We are living through a moment when unity has been transformed into disunity because the narrative that people are attempting to draw is not inconsonant with facts. And if you mention this fact, then you're immediately declared to be white-splaining. Well, how about rebut the arguments instead of just judging anybody on the color of their skin? Seems to me that that should be the modicum of respect that every individual citizen in the United States deserves. All righty, we'll be back here later today with two additional hours of content. You're listening to The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, the Michael Knowles Show, and the Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, assistant director Pavel Wydowski, technical producer Austin Stevens, playback and media operated by Nick Sheehan, associate producer Katie Swinnerton, edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Leftist rioters tear down more statues, Antifa creates its own police force, and Gone with the Wind gets canceled 80 years after it premiered. Also, the mailbag. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. Did you know that mRNA vaccines are approved for use in pigs in the United States? Not to mention 85% of the beef sold in your local grocery store is imported. In fact, over 5 billion pounds of meat was imported just last year. There's so much mystery surrounding our meat, which is why I'm so grateful for my Good Rancher subscription. I know that I don't have to worry about imported meat or unknown vaccines in the food that I feed my family. Good Ranchers is saying mRNO to mRNA by offering a free 10-pound Easter ham with any subscription. Unlike the pork from the grocery store, Good Ranchers ham is guaranteed 100% free from mRNA vaccines. This is a $119 value, absolutely free with code DAILYWIRE. Go to GoodRanchers.com and say mRNO to mRNA by subscribing today. You have a right to know exactly what's in your food, and Good Ranchers is dedicated to protecting that right and providing your family with the best meat in America, free from any unknown and potentially harmful additives. Go to GoodRanchers.com and subscribe to any of their boxes and use code DAILYWIRE at checkout. 
Every subscription will come with a free Heritage Ham, $25 off, and Good Ranchers Lifetime Quality Commitment. That's GoodRanchers.com, code DailyWire.